even the structure of like going to a bishop is like, okay, you want to repent for something, you got to go to this bishop, right? If you're a kid who feels like, oh, I got horny and now I feel bad. I masturbated to porn. I feel bad. Then you essentially, you got to go sit in this office with this fucking 50 year old man who didn't go to divinity school or anything. And then like tell this dude. And then the way that it works is this dude asks you questions about it. That's not something that should be happening at all. There should not be an old man and a kid in a room, no supervision, and him asking you sexual questions. Begging for more details. Don't say gay at school, though, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, like, don't be gay, but, like, we're going to have this old man ask you the things that make you horny. Like, what? And you you said you saw boobs, right? Now, describe these boobs for me. Was one of them slightly bigger than the other? <laughs> Do you think former Catholics are the only people keeping the phone sex industry alive? <laughs> they got to. They have to. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. Casey is on vacation this week as I was last week. Uh, and I believe he announced it and probably made fun of me the entire time for it. But I was at Disney with my family. So I had to find another co-host for the week. And it's not Jeremiah. And maybe I'll make fun of him this entire podcast because now I have the opportunity to. But I figured, why not? Debrief my Disney extravaganza experience with none other than a Disney character himself, the the kid from Up. Oh wow! <laughs> Funny, I love it. Mike Valdez. Hello, hello, hello. I'm excited, man. This is going to be really funny i it's you started off making me laugh because because you were like oh casey was making fun of me because i was on vacation with my family and i'm like what kind of a horrible human being (laughs) being with your family he is a horrible he is a horrible human being but that's not why (laughs) he was making fun of me yeah he probably loved your family family. you probably love your family too you fucking nerd yeah <laughs> Maybe who knows? After Disney, dude, Disney changes things. I feel like Disney is one of those things where, like, you leave. There's many I'll things you everything. could leave with. It's like, I mean, one of which could be lots of souvenirs. Maybe mm-hmm. like a life-altering experience for the the magic and beauty of it. And then you could also just leave with like a negative symbol in front of your bank account or like, yeah, I don't know. I left with diarrhea a little bit. Nice and. Then, uh, and Probably a divorce. Maybe you could leave with a divorce, depending you on. You probably could, yeah. <laughs> leave with one less kid. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, my god, that almost, dude. Yeah. Oh, day one at Disney. Yeah. We turned. We were like in line to go out to where we were eating, and I turned around and I'm like, "Fuck, where's Sebastian?" And I looked at my wife and your she son, at not me. the crab. Yeah, yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> Where's Sebastian? I am. I've been waiting for a meet and greet all goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
we just missed him. God damn it. Cancel the trip. We're going home. No. Uh, and so I read our, we were there with uh, family friends. And yeah. so I ran up to where they were thinking he was with them and he wasn't. That's the most like heart dropping. Of course. I, I, I think I'm going to die feeling in the entire world. So yeah. you start yelling. Everyone's looking at you like that bitch yeah. lost his kid. That guy. Yeah. Those it's kids. Like, they suck. It's like the episode of Full House where they lose Michelle. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like just it's like walking through Disney with a giant sign above your head that says, I'm a bad parent. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so because <laughs> to be fair, you don't need to lose your kid to have that sign because there are plenty of bad parents like at Disney and people that are just like questioning why they became parents as they're at Disney. You know, like I uh the last time I went was during Christmas time. So I went um, I went to the Mickey's Very Merry uh, Christmas Party, which is dope because they give you like cookies all night and like uh, an eggnog and hot chocolate and like a whole bunch of stuff. It's really cool. Um, but you I it was nowhere near your trip because your trip you did all four parks and yeah we did it all we did yeah so magic kingdom hollywood studios epcot we did a day in universal but got the park hopper pass to do both sections of the harry potter world and then Dude, you guys killed kingdom. the yeah. orlando the orlando we like we thought about doing less and then i'm like at, we're not going to go back for a long time mm-hmm. um and to think about like it's like to do we almost did four and then we're like to just do an extra day like yeah, it's going to be a lot, but at the end of the day, like it just feels like not worth skipping out on something. Cause we left uh Friday night, mm-hmm. Friday the 14th and then came back on, well, technically I guess it was the 22nd. So we were there for a while and then did the flights back. We had delays both times. Like, so I got in, we had flight delays going there and coming back. And they were already evening flights. So I got home at like three o'clock this morning and it wow. was a disaster. <laughs> like get That's with insane. my kids and like the flight back, dude. I have never experienced turbulence. I felt like I was on a fucking roller coaster ride. Like the oh, yeah. stom- that that dip, that stomach drop feeling. Mm-hmm. The flight was my kids were crying. People on the plane were screaming, dude. Like sure. it sounded like you were on a roller coaster. Yeah. And kids were crying some people were throwing up you could hear and like mm-hmm. it's just the plane would do the drops and you if you weren't buckled in you would have hit the ceiling like you really yeah. get that roller coaster drop feeling and then it goes back up and goes back down and it only lasted i mean it's hard to gauge time and something like that but it probably only lasted 15 20 seconds max uh because we were going up through a lightning storm and then you got above it and you looked out the windows and you looked down and you just saw the lightning exploding in the clouds. And it was really fucking cool, but my yeah. kids still were not having it. So we had to close like all the airplane windows so they couldn't see it. And yeah, uh, it was it's a scary really, ass flight. It is really scary, man. Especially like I, um, it's weird. Like the last time I was on a flight with turbulence like that, the woman next to me was like, I do this thing and I love, I, I probably shouldn't do it. Um, but <laughs> I do this thing on flights or anywhere where I'm with a lot of people in public where I, 
I wear my headphones and I pretend like I'm listening to music, but I just try to see what everyone's saying or seeing if they're talking about me. And, <laughs> um, and this woman was talking so much shit about sitting next to me the whole time. No way. Like, oh yeah. She was talking shit the whole time. And, and I just played it cool. I played it cool the whole time. And then when turbulence happened, I was like, that's right, bitch. <laughs> You're you sitting whispered. with me. You whisper yeah. in your ear, we're going to die today. Yeah. <laughs> and you whip out a deck of tarot cards and you just flip. What's the death card? You just flip yeah. that one over, <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. I said uh, she was she was very scared. And I was like, well, uh, let me lead you in prayer. No, I was kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I, I made up this lie, which like, to be fair, not, it's not a lie, but like I, you know, I was like, well, turbulence has nothing to do with like the plane, you know, being bad or whatever like it's just we're just trying to get through a storm like that's why it just it's gonna feel weird for a little while and she was like the lightning is all weird and i was like just look at it like god's taking a picture of you you know and like and then for (laughs) some weird reason she was like okay and like actually believed it or whatever and and in my heart i was like i shouldn't have to be nice to you because you were talking shit the entire flight about me yeah, but you should have scared the shit out of her. I should have, yeah. But I'm getting an extra cr- uh, jewel in my crown when I get to heaven. Yeah, so, you are because of that. <laughs> yeah, and those yeah. are those are worth a lot, apparently. Um, yeah, the exchange rates off the chart these days, especially that's what I heard. with the dollar plummeting, right? Inflation, that's what I heard. Shit. Yeah. So jewels in your crown of the new Bitcoin. That's what I heard. <laughs> the um, new Doge coin. Yeah, the new Dogecoin. Don't tell um, Casey that. He will try to buy all of it and then wait until it doesn't have value. <laughs> <laughs> I um so is okay, so you tell me everything. So you start okay. with Magic so, Kingdom? We did. And so I can tell you everything and then also think about it in hindsight. And I think that sure. starting with Magic Kingdom was the right choice because it's of first of all, it's really big. Um mm-hmm. It's huge. Oh my God, dude. Some of these parks are fucking insane, Mm -hmm. but it's the most like child friendly. Uh, my son, he's, he's turning six, uh, this month. And, um, so, but he's, he's young ish. Like he's, he's a, he's a fearful boy. He doesn't Mm -hmm. really like, um, anything that might be potentially scary. Uh, my daughter is very, very like, I want to do all the role. She's, six and she's like i want to do all the roller coasters i want to mm-hmm. she has all these things that she wants to do so um so no haunted mansion for your son no he did not he skipped out on the haunted mansion mm-hmm. uh, uh no no we brought him sorry dude also here's the thing about disney and spending a week in the hot sun every day all day oh yeah uh it feels like you just stepped into like this rift in the space-time continuum it's like mm-hmm. I almost feel like I didn't have that vacation and that I was just, it was like a dream in a fugue state of some sort. It's um, a, uh, I think there's a Mr. Show sketch about, about it where like there, it, there's a news reporter and they're in, in, um, they're not at Disney, but they're in Florida and they're talking about how hot it is. And they, uh, they go, it's so hot. Watch this. And they get an egg and they fry an egg on the cement. <laughs> He's like, Crazy. that's how hot it is. And it's like, it actually feels like that. Like you can probably fry an egg on, on the floor. That's how hot it is. It's it. it I mean, it's April, uh, but it was still like mid eighties 
Um, yeah. But the, when the humidity is high and stuff, it's, oh yeah, it feels disgusting. Um, but yeah, so like where, um, what was it? Like? Uh, oh yeah. So we, you know, we do the Peter Pan, it's a small mm-hmm. world, of course. uh, all that stuff. And, but what was crazy is like that that's where that, so they split all their best roller coasters up. They have like one of their best roller coasters in every park. Yep. Uh, so Tron is in magic kingdom. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was, I was shocked. My daughter was, uh, she was up for doing Tron. So I took her to do okay. that. That was one of the funnest fucking roller coasters I've ever been on in my life. It, yeah. You're on a, it's like a motorcycle type deal, right? Yeah. And I Super couldn't cool. believe she wanted to do it. Uh, in, in line, the whole time we're in line, she's like telling me she's scared. I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't have to go on it. Like if you want to, you know, if you want to leave, we can just leave anytime. Like until yeah. you're locked into that ride, you can leave anytime. Mm-hmm. So we're, now we're like standing in line, like we're at the gate. Where next? And she's like, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know. I'm scared. And I'm like, do you want to leave? And she shakes her head. No. And I was like, okay, so we'll do it. And, you know, we get on and I've never seen, like, she looked like she just stared death in the face by the time we got off of it. Like (laughs) no affect, just blank face, like saw a ghost. Right. And I'm like, I look over at her. I'm like, did you like it? And we haven't even gotten off yet. Like this is when you like slow down. And you said, cause the ride is sick. I mean, there's no, it doesn't lift you up and do a drop. It's one of those like magnetic. I don't know if it's through magnets or like, um, mm-hmm. air pressure or whatever. Um, but you just, you start out flat you're basically riding a bike and it goes like zero to whatever within two seconds. Like you're just yeah. flying and mm-hmm. it's all like the, you're th- in a building with all the lights and it feels like you're in Tron. It's you're the coolest Tron, yeah. fucking ride. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I keep looking over at her. And she's just no affect, just blank face the entire ride. I look at her when we're done. I'm like, did you have fun? And she just no facial expression, all nods her head up and down. Wow. Uh, Then we get off the ride and I'm like, are you, are you okay? And she's still just nodding her head. Yes. After like 10 seconds, she gets the biggest smile I've ever seen. And she's just like, that was the funnest roller coaster I've ever been on. Like she loved it. She couldn't, once she like, once the shock of like what it was wore off, she couldn't stop talking about it. Sure. Had grinned ear to ear for like five minutes. It was. Yeah. There's so no cool. better feeling. And, and I could say this as an adult because I've done Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. There's no better feeling than than being scared for over an hour and, yeah. then, do, and then doing a thing that lasts what has to be 80 seconds at best. And realizing that you're still alive at the end, it's like adrenaline just goes all over your body and you're like, yes, like I did it. Yeah. It's like nothing was ever going to happen to you. But, you know, like, especially at a place like Disney, like there's like there's thousands upon thousands of people that are legally required to make sure that you don't die. You know, so (laughs) (laughs) so like. So that helps. I mean, it's not like you're in a carnival, you know, and, and it's, you know, you're like, well, I, I do trust that 16 year old, but this is rickety thing looks kind of weird. You yeah, know, that like folds I up mean, into a car. It's like a fucking yeah. transformer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Transformers so, um, with no personality. Yeah. So next day you're at Hollywood studios, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's next day. Oh, I'm pretty sure thinking back, I said my daughter's six. I do know how old she is. Yeah. She is in fact seven. Mm-hmm. 
I <laughs> feel like if anyone listens to this that knows my family, they'd be like, this guy really is a bad dad. He doesn't no, know how you're old good. his kids are. Um, so yeah, me, but she, so she did everything. Uh, yeah, but give me the, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, give me like the best, like the best of highlights, you know, with everything. Yeah. So Hollywood Studios was a blast um, mm-hmm. because what I didn't know about Disney, because I, I went to Disney when I was like six. Obviously, right. rides have changed the way that they present rides have changed. But um, they didn't own in everything back then. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's true. You know, <laughs> now yeah. you're like Star Wars. Like, I mean, they, they own everything. Like yeah. you're like you go to um, Animal Kingdom and you're like so there's a zoo and Avatar like this is really weird you know like <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy how much they own and then that being combined with you know, not combined but they na- Universal neighbors it like that was obviously like yeah. a plan right of literally course. anything that's anything is between those owned between those two yeah um, so yeah it was like th- we the star Wars rides were just mm-hmm. fucking outrageous fun. dude. It, what's it called? Um, rise of the resistance. Yes, like dude. Probably one of the coolest rides you'll ever go on in your whole life. There's it really is. There's two and I won't spoil it for people that haven't been on there, but there's two audible. Oh my God. Moments where like you, you like you can't believe what you're seeing because, yeah. because you're like in it. You know, like, and you're like, oh my god, this is absolutely insane! <laughs> like, um, like the like, I, I, I'm trying not to spoil it, but like, you know, you, you, no matter how much you explain it, it will never spoil it because when you actually experience it, it will just Dude, blow to you see the fuck a full size ad at. You know what I yes. mean? Like you're you see a full size ad at like you're you're seeing a a row. I mean, just so many stormtroopers. Like, I mean there's basically three elements to this ride. Like there's like, it's not just one vehicle. Like you're in like, like you're essentially taken hostage at one point. Like, I mean, it's such a cool concept for a ride, you know, it really is. Yeah. It's like one of the coolest things. And also that immersion, basically what happened. And this is my opinion. What happened was universal and Warner were like, yo, we're going to make Harry Potter. And that's when the word immersion started, because when you go into Harry into Hogwarts, which you have been. Yeah, there is no more Orlando, Florida. Like you are now in Hogwarts. Like that's literally where you are. And that's what Disney wanted to do. They were like, we're not going to let this Harry Potter like, you know, take all of our money. We're going to and for um, like literally there is not even a, a grain of sand from from orlando florida like everything is from whatever planet planet batu i think is the the name of the planet that you're on yeah. um i mean so much so that like the food it, it like the the if you buy a diet coke it looks like a thermal detonator yeah like, i mean like literally it is like you are on another planet it is incredible <laughs> like it's so cool did you end up going to the cantina no, so we were supposed to, because uh, we had thought it was like a restaurant, like experience, whatever kind of that is. you would eat at. But what we didn't know is that's really just like bar food and drinks, and that it's exactly. a shit destination for kids. Uh, oh so yeah, we ended up canceling that reservation to go there. Um, it's straight up like that part of Hollywood Studios and Epcot is made for adults. 
Yeah. It, you it know? feels more like it. I think, oh, one of the things I was saying before is what, so when I went to Disney and I was young, I was, a, well, first of all, I was afraid of everything. So I'm very sure. sensitive to how my son feels. My wife is like, he'll be fine. We'll just do it. And I'm like, there's a couple of times where I was like, we're not putting him on this ride. Yeah. Um, one of which was the Tower of Terror. Uh, yeah, that would have been a bad ride for him. He would have absolutely. It's a bad ride not for come me. Off of it. <laughs> and uh, so, but even even bring him on um, on uh, what's the one uh, that we just talked about from Magic Kingdom with the ghosts? Uh, oh, Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think this is a great idea for him, and he hated it. So yeah. it's like I, I was really sensitive to how he felt because I remember not going on really any rides. When mm-hmm. I went as a five or six year old and, right. um, but what I was like, what I just was blown away by was how I'm thinking like, you know, the best rides are going to be roller coasters and some of them right. were great roller coasters, but I guess I just didn't expect the experience driven adventure yeah. that these rides, they're not rides. They're not yeah. like, let's go fast and then go up and down and they, they might incorporate some of those elements, but it's really like, here's a screen that covers your entire face. So you can't see anything else. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just throw wind at you and splash you with water. And you're going to feel like you're actually in this, like, mm-hmm. uh, at the, um, in Epcot, like the Ratatouille ride, you're like yeah. Ratatouille, that's going to be a kid's ride. And you're like, mm-hmm. no, you, you're a fucking mouse in this ride. Yeah, and you're, exactly. you're cl- crawling under like uh, stoves and mm-hmm. through pantries and it, like even under the stove, they ignite the fire of the stove and you feel the heat from it. You're like, mm-hmm. everything about these rides is so immersive. Yeah. That as a, like, I'm just like, I'm sitting there laughing with a smile on my face. Like, it's like with Rise of the Resistance, you're just like, holy shit, I can't believe this is a thing. I can't yeah. believe this exists and I'm experiencing this. Uh, I, the only regret I have is like, I didn't go on them more than I didn't go on anything more than once just because of our like, of course, schedule and kids. Yeah, you had and so breaks. much. Yeah. You had so much to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and okay. So there's a few things I have to ask you about just like as a theme park person. Um, did you have butterbeer? I had butterbeer. Now when I was in New York, uh, when did I go to New York? I don't know. Several months ago, we went to New York for a weekend back maybe in September, um, last September, they have the Harry Potter store there and yeah. they, they sold butterbeer and I hated it. It was like too sweet. Not, not the same, bro. Couldn't not do it. <laughs> it. It actually, surprisingly, it the butterbeer is the same. Oh, is it? Uh, and I mean, it just, I will say this. It is sweet as balls. It's like, sweet. It is, it's like the sweetest thing you've ever had in your life. Like it's, like, it's I a lot. I feel it in the back of my jaw. Like, but then they had here though, they had frozen butter beer mm-hmm. and that was more enjoyable. I did like that a bit yeah. more, but even then I drank a little bit of my sons and that was all I could do. They have literally everything in butter beer flavor. Like they have butter beer, ice cream, butter beer, fudge, butter beer, like fart candles. Like they have everything. <laughs> they have everything in butter beer scented or flavored stuff it's wild so okay so i i i had to ask you the butterbeer question um i'm trying to think um just skipping over to universal because we're already at universal what were your favorite parts of universal so we mostly did spent the day with harry potter world Um, sure so harry potter world has i think it was three rides um 
between the two parks. It's not a lot of rides. They have the Hagrid one and that's like a roller coaster and that's yeah. a good roller coaster. That one's really uh, fun. I like f- Ringlots the most. That's my favorite. That was great. And then there's the other one where you in the castle on the other side. I, yeah. I'm bad at remembering the names. I, I don't I like I don't like that end. one because it's like it like kind of makes you feel like you're holding a broom. And um, if you're a person, um, you know, uh, who whether you identify it as as a man or not, if you have undercarriage, it is going to hurt you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like it's just that's just what it is. Um, and yeah, it uh, I mean, it, it it's like the it's like the ride was made for people and then they forgot like, oh, wait, people have ball sacks, right? Like, <laughs> 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 Wait, which is this, which one is this that you're thinking of? Because it's, it's Harry Potter's escape from from the the thingamagoo or whatever. Oh, it is. I think and, yeah, you're right. I think I'm forgetting what that's like. I'm used to them being in like the you know you just sit in that little car, but this one yeah. I think that one actually you pull the thing down. Yeah, over you pull your the thing down, and, and then it has these things that that you hold on to, and it makes you feel like you're holding onto a broom. Okay. Right? And then I actually it, don't think then, I held on to those. I thought yeah. it was supposed to feel like I was masturbating the whole time and I was like, "Oh, I don't I don't think this is the right place for that." Right. So I I just held on <laughs> to the the shoulder things. Right. Um, but that one you're like, you know, you go through like uh chased by dementors and Yeah. It's stuff it's like fun. That. It's fun. Uh, the the track is up is is up in the ceiling. So you yeah. you're like you don't see what you're doing. Like it literally feels like you're flying the whole time. It's really cool. Um and then there's moments where like you see a screen and then like you you make a sharp turn and then there's a real animatronic of a dragon and you're like, whoa, like this is yeah. Wild. You know, like yeah, stuff they- like that. God, just the experience of these rides is so fun. I, I, it makes me like not like as I get older, I don't do as well in roller coasters. I got to space Same. them apart. They do make me dizzy. They do give me headaches. Same. Um, especially if they're intense with loops and flips and shit like that. So, yeah, I, I, I pace the roller coasters. I probably only did one a day. And now the ones that did, I compared to Six Flags, the roller coasters at Disney are just like smooth. Oh, yeah. They are smooth ass roller coasters, man. Did you do the Hulk? No, so uh, I didn't do Hulk. We the only ones outside of Spider Man that we did, I mean outside Spider-Man of is so fun. We did the Spider Man ride. The only ones outside of Harry Potter World, uh, we did Spider Man, which is a good ride. Um, very very fun. My son actually liked that one, even though he said it was a little scary. Uh, That's another one of those mind trick ones where like it's like screens and then there's real stuff happening around you. Yeah, and it's very cool. It's crazy what you feel like because yeah because you it, never leave the fucking ground make, yeah like how it can make you how uh the car just tilts a little bit and then they blow wind and somehow you feel like you're falling off a 32 story building <laughs> exactly it's unbelievable <laughs> like it's unreal how they do it like i mean you are completely safe <laughs> like but it really makes you feel like you are falling off a skyscraper like, yeah it's it's wild and that and then so, Spider-Man catches you. <laughs> so to, with Animal Kingdom, that was our last thing when we did Animal Kingdom. And a lot of the rides in Animal Kingdom. Avatar. Had to do Avatar, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the rides in Animal Kingdom were a little slow. Like a of lot of, you know, they have the safari. But my kids, I mean, my daughter is like, Animal Kingdom was my favorite. And yeah, because animals rock, dude. <laughs> like <laughs> they, <laughs> they <did. And laughs> Dude, the gorillas are just. So when we went, got to the gorillas, there's like, 
couple of adult gorillas and it's like three babies. And the baby ones were hilarious. They were That's like, awesome. they were just, one of them just runs up and knocks the other one over. The other one falls on its back and throws its feet up in the air dramatically. Like it's yeah. like watching kids play and it's fucking freaky. It's awesome. Watch. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. It's super fun. Yeah. Did you guys do the dinosaur ride? That's a fun one. The dinosaur. No, we did all. The, I think we did all the rides at Animal Kingdom, but I don't. What's the dinosaur ride? A- Animal uh, Kingdom. So they have a they have one where you're you're like essentially on an expedition and you go uh, you time travel to yes. like a dinosaur. That's one of my favorite rides. Yes. At Animal Kingdom. That isn't we, an avatar thing. We did do that one. That one was fun. It's like you're in like a bumpy car and you're through a dark <laughs> cave and you are trying to like get an iguanodon to time travel back with you it's super cool yeah it's really cool and then there's like a river one where you just kind of it's like a little log flumey thing where you just yeah that's a fun one i think it was yeah it was a jurassic park themed like river ride yeah and um, well we uh we're getting close to the time that that we have to that we have to go into our episode and uh if any listeners are excited about who you're interviewing they've just completely skipped over this part but um but what i was gonna say was uh the this is the most important thing at least for me uh how many lives did you save while you were at disney did you uh did you get to preach the word of god or no, i'm glad you asked before before i answer that i do just want to do a quick shout out because yeah I think the only ride we didn't really cover was the avatar ride yeah and how that was just a mind-blowing experience in the way that you that's another one where you don't leave the ground mm-hmm. yeah it only tilts you probably like 12 degrees forward it's, and backwards they and kill it like, with immersion immersion yeah. like if you look around you look to your left and your right when you're in it like it feels like the screen is endless but you can see yeah. the other people looking at it but if of you're course. looking forward you can't see anyone to your left or your right mm-hmm. you are in this dome this like looking at this domed screen and it's I don't know. I thought it was, it's, you can't even explain what the experience is like. You're just like, I'm flying at 75 miles an hour. Yeah. And you go near the ocean, the waves come up and you get misted with water. And yeah, God damn, dude, I could have stayed on that thing for hours. It is really funny how like you, you see that and like, you know, so many people that don't, go to disney frequently are very like but that's a kids thing like why do adults like it like adults go and they don't even have kids now you get it yeah because that's better than a roller coaster. i'd rather do that than like you know that cool that roller coaster with the big drop i'll do that once and then my head hurts i want to sit and immerse myself into these worlds i was even a big avatar fan you can do those pandora rides like a thousand times and not, never get bored of it because you see something new like there's always there's always something new there's an animatronic that you missed or uh the animatronic is doing something new you know that you mm-hmm. didn't see like there's so much going on you know of course like you know i'm not one of those disney adults that's like gonna get married there and like stuff like that but Which i saw sure. people doing <laughs> yeah there's 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 a level of disney adult that i'm not that person but I understand adults that don't have children that like going to Disney every now and again because it is really fun and it's and it's a fun thrill that you can't really explain unless you've been there <laughs> because it, it, it seems like you're describing a, a dream in a way, you know? Yeah, it it really is. And I would honestly think it, I honestly think it'd be a lot of fun to go without 
to go without i could see what the appeal of going without kids like it's so magical sure. and kid friendly and kid oriented that like taking going without my kids while they're young feels like it'd be like like you're cheating as an yeah. adult like this isn't how you're supposed to do parenthood well listen but- if you're gonna go without a kid go to epcot do the food and wine festival yeah and get Liddy like a titty because <laughs> it is it is wild you get to drink around the entire world uh for anybody that hasn't been uh there's like little pavilions of all over the world and you can have alcohol from literally everywhere around the world and yeah. food from everywhere around the world i mean it is wild yeah i definitely got a good i got a few drinks there that was one of the few places i really did some drinking otherwise i'm like to. too angry about to spending money after after like day three i'm like just blow my fucking brains out already like, yeah <laughs> like, i'm so tired of spending money wait honey let me spend 35 dollars on this cocktail from germany because i've never had it before yeah, it the, the <laughs> spending money actually started to become painful for me after day three sure. like after day one i got with the check for one of the um those like character experience diners where it's like a flat rate and they just keep bringing mm. you food Look, if you if my kids ate a lot, but they ate like three bites of food and you get charged 40 bucks for them, you know, and Mm -hmm. after I got the check for that, I looked at my wife and I was like, I don't want to see another one of these for the rest of the week. Like they go to you and yeah, she doesn't care. She'll spend. She'll just keep. Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. She does her time. I mean, we've been saving for this, but like we paid for everything, like our tickets, our flights Mm -hmm. had all been paid for prior to it. So then. Like, but we had saved for it. But even then I'm like, I'm actually physically ill over how much money I know we're spending. And I know how much, I know how much I think we're spending and I know how money works. So whatever I think it is, add 20% and it's probably that or more. And you're like, oh my God, I don't, I can't, I can't. And by the last day, we didn't even have a theme park. We're just killing time until our flight. So we went to like Disney Springs. It's like a outdoor mall kind of thing. Yeah. Did you guys go to Gideon's? It's like, no, but it's like, no, get the kids face painted. Now we'll do, yeah. get some ice cream and ice cream's $15 a person. Of course. Know? Kill me. That's Just fucking kill it. Can we get on our goddamn plane? I don't want to spend it's, any more money. Well, it's, it's salt and straw. So like, you know, <laughs> they got, they got biscuits and gravy flavored ice cream, you know, like that's the thing. Like that's the whole thing about salt and straw, dude, you missed out. And like, to be fair, you might not have been able to do it, but Gideon's, is so dope at disney springs it's a it's a uh cookie uh like bakehouse type deal and by far one of the best cookies you'll ever eat in your entire life like their cookies are a pound and like chocolate chips all over they put salt on their cookies so like it's like the savory sweet in every single cookie that they make and so um they have like different things like they have you know the cookie of the week and they have limited edition stuff and like you know when you walk in it's very like tim burton-esque you know type deal so everything is very gothic looking and like all that stuff um but yeah their wait time is like three hours minimum you know when you're trying to get a cookie there that's crazy three hours for a cookie gotta be honest worth it (laughs) it really is it really is my uh my one of my best friends he had a wedding that I went to um, and it was, it was during that time when I went uh, to Disney and I went to Gideon's for the first time before. And then I found out at his wedding, he had Gideon's cater his wedding, dude. It was like, 
it was the greatest day of my life. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. Like his wedding cake was a Gideon's wedding cake. It was so awesome. <laughs> That's wild, dude. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, uh, I did intentionally ruin people's flights by witnessing to them, but I did wait until the turbulence started. <laughs> I was like, do you know where yeah. you're going to go if you die tonight? And yeah. they're like, fuck, fuck. Yeah. It's I over, heard, isn't it? I know uh, that you saw me with my headphones on, but I didn't have my music on. So I heard you talking shit. And what yeah. I wanted to say was, <laughs> do you know who Jesus Christ is as your personal Lord and Savior? Dude, um, my biggest hope now is someday on a flight. I remember being at Liberty when I was at Liberty University. People would talk about like, if you're taking a flight and you're out witnessing to people, like you have their attention for a couple hours. like. You're not, you're just not like, like that's a real lost opportunity. And you know, you not taking that opportunity could be the reason they go to hell and they would like lay on the guilt, which is awful. Uh, And then I would think about that. And now, now I'm at a point where I'm like, God damn it. Why don't I ever get to sit next to somebody who tries to share the gospel with me? Because I think my approach would be to act really interested get saved at the end of the flight and then like give them a hug afterwards and whisper in their ear. Gotcha, bitch. (laughs) You know, people, whenever (laughs) there was this video that went around of this, like of these kids that had to have been from some Christian college that whipped out their acoustic guitars and just started doing praise and worship on a flight. Dude, after seeing that, the only thing I could think about was how the 9-11 hijackers got the wrong plane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. There were a few years too early. Too. But, but, but yeah, it, but to be fair, like whenever I, when I, when I see that, when I heard you say the whole thing about like Liberty saying things like that, those are the kind of people that it creates. Yeah. <laughs> people like or the that. John Chow's of the world who just, yeah, people where it's who are- just like, you know, dude. Like at the end of the day, like there's a difference between like listening, like, for example, like if I like, you know, South African grunge metal, you know, and I'm listening to it on my headphones, I have every right to listen to it on my headphones, but it becomes a problem when I subject an entire plane to listening to whatever it is <laughs> I'm listening to. You know what I mean? Like you're allowed to have whatever beliefs you want. Nobody's stopping you, you know, but like. Are we really starting maybe the enemy? (laughs) (laughs) But but are we really starting like you know, even if it was even if it was someone with an acoustic guitar who was just playing Wonderwall, I would want to die. You know what I I mean? Like (laughs) shut the fuck up and sit down. We're on a goddamn airplane. It doesn't matter that it was worship. It's that it happened at all. (laughs) Like. (laughs) if somebody farts too loud on an airplane, they should be thrown off. Never it's mind true. gets up with an acoustic guitar and sings. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true, man. I mean, yeah. But anyway, uh, um, this has been a fun conversation. And yeah, uh, man, thank you so much for joining me for this intro. I think uh, I don't know. I got to talk to Casey, but I might. He he just he might have just lost his job. Is all. Uh, okay. So you you might be replacing him. Uh, okay. I don't, I, sorry. I. <laughs> Just be prepared for that call. Um, yeah, that's what happens when you start hanging out with your family too much, you fucking yeah. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but you, know, you were perfect for this. I'm so glad you were free because of course. Uh, I can't think of anyone else I would have liked to debrief my Disney uh, my Disney trip with. 
So I had a, I had such a blast. Uh, so the guest this week is a stand-up comedian named Skylar Higley. Uh, he was a former staff writer for Conan. He's currently a staff writer at The Onion. Uh, he's got a comedy album streaming on Spotify called Saltwater. And he is hilarious. He's very funny. Uh, he grew up Mormon, um, which I know for you real Christians isn't Christian, but it's Christian adjacent. Uh, and when I saw, when I heard uh, one of his bits where that got, that information got slipped in, uh, I realized that I had no choice but to reach out because I had found him a little bit before that. And every time I find comics whose bits I love, I'm like, God, I just, I go through their profiles and their TikToks and I just hope and pray that the Lord allows me to stumble across a video where they talk about their Christian upbringing <laughs> because then it gives me an excuse to reach out to them. Uh, so Skylar was one of those. He was a really fun guest and you should absolutely follow him on all social media platforms because his jokes are hilarious. And you should also look for wherever he's doing shows because if you're around, you should absolutely go see him. I'm looking forward to him coming out to my way. So uh, if you're not in our Discord, you can find the link to that in our Instagram page uh, through our link tree. Uh, you can follow us uh, anywhere you want and leave us a review. Reviews are great. Uh, we don't. You're doing all right, but I'll be honest and say we don't have enough of them. So just <laughs> give us more. I want more. I want more yeah. reviews. Also, I'm broke. Uh, after Disney. So if you want to Venmo me some money, I'm not going to simp too hard and, and post it, but just shoot me a message and be like, look, I'd really like to support uh, your ministry. Uh, and I'll send you my Venmo. That's fine. I mean, and this is all you'll hear about it. I'm not a simp. So go fuck yourself and enjoy our conversation with Skylar Higley. Hey everybody. We are back with our guest Skylar. Skylar, what's going on, man? Hey, it's it's me. It's you. No, not uh, much. I'm, I'm good. Chicago's rainy, you know. Chicago. That's what I was going to ask. I thought you were in Chicago. Um, all I knew was Central Time, but then I was going through some of your videos, and I was like, I saw Laugh Factory in the back, and I was fairly certain that was in Chicago. Yep, the Chicago Laugh Factory doing great right now. <laughs> that's like a. That's like there's a billion of those though. Right. I mean, they're all. Yeah. Um, yes, there's the one on Sunset, the original one. Then there's Long Beach and Chicago and Las Vegas and uh, probably a couple others. I don't know. See, probably started franchising and went downhill. Long Beach or something like that. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Chicago is one of those places. I grew up in Michigan and like it was like southern Michigan. And everybody, like now I live in Kansas, everybody assumes that like Michigan got, you know, just like these horrendous winters and stuff. And like, it was pretty mild. Like Chicago gets the winter that everybody thinks the Northern States get. Oh yeah, it's not. Well, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, which I'm sure we'll get into, but- um, That's a little foreshadowing for everyone. uh, (laughs) If you can't figure out what we might start talking about. Uh, Yeah. Uh, the winters there are not, um, they're not, uh, anything to, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty crazy. You don't mess around with the Salt Lake City winters either. You get like hella feet of snow and the difference here is you're getting like 
a lot of lake effect wind and stuff so that sucks just trying to walk around um but you know salt lake city you got that where you it's so cold and if your car was in a garage you gotta scrape off the ice and turn it on and wait for it to get warm as you're driving to work and it fucking sucks and you're just like freezing in your car yeah. every morning it's like 6 a.m it's it's not great that's like the yeah. part of the country where it used to be that if you didn't pack enough like like rock hard biscuits and you know boiled belt jerky you were gonna have to eat your babies and stuff mm-hmm. at some point like through the winter <laughs> Yeah, and many did, and they had to do that. <laughs> many did. Uh, I live in Massachusetts, and it gets fairly cold. Not, it's not the the misery that it is in some places, but that feeling, dude, of like it's like negative anything. Once it's negative degrees out, it's just trash. But it having to start your car in that negative, you're like, what? It's gonna be. And how am I gonna have like a positive day if it's negative degrees outside? That's yeah. just not because you're in physical pain. Like you're, you, especially if you forget to warm up your car, you're literally like in physical pain for a while before your car warms up enough for you to, I mean, probably just in time for you to get where you're going. It's your hands hurt. You can't touch the steering wheel. It's so fucking cold. Like it's like holding on. To yeah, yeah. You, oh, you like, you pull your sleeves down over your hands and shit. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times in the morning I was like driving my mom to work or myself to school, like, like this, just like with my hands like tucked and just like kind of yeah. like, <laughs> keep it, you know, center, but like mostly just trying not to touch the wheel. It's awful. I think cars are better now too. I sound like I'm talking about like from a really long time ago, but like it literally is just like the 2010s to now car wise. I think they're better at getting warmer. Yeah. yeah it's like some places they play this, the floor is lava as kids. And like where you grew up, it's like you play the steering wheel is dry ice. <laughs> speaking of dry ice i actually just uh i touched dr- accidentally uh dry ice for the first time um not understanding that this package that i got had dry ice in it to keep whatever i bought cold and i i just went to take it out presuming it was like a regular ice pack and i was like why the fuck does my hand feel like it's on fire and then i start googling like what that can actually but apparently you can get frostbite very quickly from that that was a new experience for me so i appreciate uh being able to tell everybody that anyway moving on um we really map out these segues well yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so all right not to uh not to jump into it too ham-fisted here but uh salt lake city Mm -hmm. you grew up mormon obviously everyone thinks lutheran and yeah No, yeah, I, I grew up Mormon, and um, and that's how I got to be this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't have a preamble for it uh, other than like, yep, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it um, uh, something that you were involved in that you were not necessarily make? Obviously, as a kid, you're not making that choice, but were you involved in that from like? for your entire childhood was that a lifer thing or was it like a parents found the yeah. mormon church when you were like older or elementary school or something like that no no good question it was very much just the classic i i forget that people's like convert or like people's parents convert when they're in elementary school or their kids or something like that because i was just like 
sort of raised in it. And that was just like our, my parents were that and their parents were, and their grandparents were, and it's just really? like, you know, that's hella retention. They, they tra- yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can, they, they, it was one of those lines that did that. I think the retention kind of ended with my uh, parents and my generation, to be honest, but like, yeah, it, going back, I know there are um, like grandparents that can trace their family line like back to the pioneers, and so they were like the OG Mormons. Uh, and I'm I'm from a line of OG converts that probably goes back to like Missouri where they converted or something like that. They were yeah, chased I, out with like firebrands and pitchforks. Yeah, that's what they that's what they like to talk about. They go, hey, they they were mean to us a really long time ago. Remember? And then we had to go because everybody else was mean. And then we didn't make any mistakes and do anything wrong ever. <laughs> yeah. And then they're all like they were mean and chased us out. And then ironically, they um, it did the same thing to black people until the 70s. Right. Yeah, but they don't tell you that part. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Gloss over that. So, okay, I I feel like uh, Salt Lake City, that area is such a uh, it's it's not it's not no, like an insular community, but it's like so distinctive and I don't know. I think uh, you know people who didn't grow up anywhere near that. Like, I feel like we don't really have a great idea of what the culture is like there. I mean, what what's church? Like, church for us was like, every time the doors were open, it was Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I went to a Christian school, like, all the same people, all the same time. You know, what what was that for you? Um, I would say it's similar. I would say it's similar um, in that sense that, like the whole community revolved around the church um, of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, not just, you know, not just any church. Um, the one true uh, church. Yeah. The one true, true church of uh, the Lord and everybody else is wrong. Uh, it, it was something that was like interwoven into the community. I don't know how much everyone here knows about Mormonism, but essentially like you have, um, well, let's, let's just go back a little bit to the inception of the territory of Deseret. It's like what people need to understand about that area is, you know, however insular or not it is now, it was a place that started as a territory established by the Mormons. That's like what the territory of Deseret was. And the prophet of the Mormon church at the time, Brigham Young, was like the governor of that territory. And, you know, uh, so it's like the it was like a theocratic government and the church sort of controlled the government and you can argue still does. And so everything th- that was uh, the community within just politics and whatever was centered around this specific faith so then fast forward you still have a lot of that structure in place uh still so all the community structures are like split into wards and stakes and and all that and when you're in a ward and you're a bunch of people who go to the mormon church most people get 
essentially what are these assignments like traditional churches if you have like a pastor or a priest or something they went to divinity school and then they get hired by a specific church to get paid to be a church guy it's not like that in mormonism you literally if you're involved in the church for the most part and you have the priesthood or or are just involved you get some type of assignment that is makes it like you're involved and it's kind of your part-time job to help this whole community run and uh so that's why it's like very heavily bureaucratic and hierarchical and then they have like the quorum of the 70 and the quorum of the 12 apostles and the mormon prophets like the whole thing is like this big corporate hierarchy of a religion so yeah that 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 made everything in life sort of about that as well i feel like uh you know i've started the witcher video <laughs> games like four times and about like two days into it i'm like this is this is too much lore. I can't get, th- I can't get into <laughs> I feel like Mormonism is kind of like that where it's like, it is. <laughs> it's so many layers and, and yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to follow if you're not familiar with the structure, I feel like. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. It's something that's so layered and specific. I mean, it's something that took me, they tell you it over and over again, but it took me my entire childhood to like, know all that stuff and then you just know it and you go you're not looking at it from the outside being like oh this is a lot of stuff this is a lot of lore this is a complete other world of stuff just like the way that structurally and then just like in the belief system and how that developed and i was just thinking about that level of lore um because recently i was telling a friend like it doesn't really so much happen anymore, but I would, I used to fully get like U.S. presidents and Mormon prophets confused, like who <laughs> they were, you know, because it's it, it was all you would just learn about these like old white dudes that were in charge, and in Utah you learn about that in the same breath as like U.S. presidents, and so sometimes I'd get like which ones were which confused, you know. You thought it was like Lyndon Brigham Johnson. Yeah. Well, there's um, <laughs> what what is it? No, this one's even worse than that. The example is um there's the president Woodrow Wilson and in Mormonism there is a Mormon prophet named Will Wil, Wilford Woodruff? Will something Woodruff? Sorry, real quick, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, uh, go for it. <laughs> Can't be getting your old prophets wrong there, man. Uh, Wilford Woodruff. Yeah. So I would get <laughs> Wilford Woodruff and Woodrow Wilson confused as like who those people, cause it's just, it's essentially the same thing, at least see, to me as a child, you know? Yeah. It, see, I could see guy. why that's tough. I, um, then you could just be like me and never have known any of the presidents other than like the big hits, like your Washington's yeah. and your Lincoln's. Everyone else was just before my time. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's sort of why. And then it's like, oh, well, I have all these prophets in my head, but those guys are not, you just thought of it as the same thing. And then living in Utah too, like there's Pioneer Day, which is July 24th. And so they celebrate it like another 4th of July. So you like, it's really when you're growing up in that world, it feels like, uh, Mormonism and the whole Mormon thing just like is how America is. It's like, oh yeah, 
we celebrate this holiday of America and then this holiday of Mormon Utah. Like, it's just the same thing twice. That's what, so there's a huge emphasis for people growing up in the, like on, on Mormon history, uh, not just belief. Mm-hmm. All of the 40 years of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I guess how far back does it go? Okay, so like growing up Christian, it's like Christian history is like obviously a couple thousand years. Um, but is any of that, do the, are the, do the Mormons call back to any of that or do they really kind of keep to like the foundation of Mormonism and then kind of leave out everything else prior to that? Um, it depends on uh, what we're talking about. Like, are we talking about like public education or like in schools or just like church Sunday school stuff. Cause that's two different answers. Oh, guess so like actually, public that... education, right? Like education wise, like my school, all we talked about was Christian history. Mm. So that was the focus of every era that we looked at was like, well, where were Christians during this period? You know? Right. Um, so public education say... there would have been, would have brought in a lot of like, mormon concepts just because it's salt lake city yeah um okay this is interesting uh, i had <laughs> well in my me- it's not like it's mormon concepts like they would explicitly teach you that stuff in schools okay. but i do remember like it is just the version of the same way the united states i i've been thinking a lot about how mormonism and the mormon narrative and everything that it is is just sort of like a microcosm of the American narrative where it's like we were uh, religiously persecuted. So we went to this place and then established a system that was based on white males and then persecuted others. Like it's sort of the same thing. So Ah. um, yeah. Right. Interesting. Um, In uh, where I was growing up in schools, they would tell you a lot of like pioneer history, for example, and uh but of course like there is that um you know correct version of history that you're supposed to know and especially within the church they like tell you what the history was that like how the pioneers got chased out and went across the plains and then established this new place but then they really downplay a lot of the weirder parts when it came to like polygamy and underage marriage and genocide and slavery and stuff like that so it's uh like yeah there was an emphasis on mormon history in that regard but then there was like not the full picture that we got um and then as far as like ancient history there's like stuff that was in the book of mormon about like the israelites somehow coming and becoming native americans yes. they didn't talk about that stuff too much i mean there'd be like church sort of history but like it comes up and then they're like and yeah it's that but they're like it's not a detailed information type history that we got of like you know in in 17 whatever the christians were here or even further back 16 and 1500s christians were because there was no mormonism so it's like well the history that's relevant is like back in the ancient times when the nephites and lamanites were doing things and then flash forward to 18 whatever when joseph smith quote unquote finds the golden plates oh my god that's so cool i I really like the uh, comparison between the way that they keep the histories 
nice and tight, like uh, in the same way that your U.S. history education is. It is it's easy to just dog on um, on. I mean, it's easy to dog on everything. But when you look at Mormonism, there's like strange beliefs and uh, it's like, oh, let's just give them a hard time without really taking a good look at how uh, every everyone else also seems to handle history. So I think that's a, mm-hmm. uh, an interesting comparison. Uh, when you well, were yeah, in it, were you, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, it's just um, it was just realizing in this in a similar way where I like realized all this stuff that they just like did never tell me about when it comes to uh whatever that story was about them like killing a bunch of Native Americans and sort of burying that or I mean, just Israelites. how black people yeah yeah the Israelites <laughs> um and it's just like you know the the like obviously you want people who you want to adhere to a certain ideology to understand a certain version of history. And it's like, well, that's what Mormonism did in its own way. And that's what America did. And then like, if you leave Utah and Mormonism or you leave America and you talk to people from other places, they'll go like, Hey, remember when you did all this stuff? And you're like, I wasn't even taught that. And it's like, yeah, why would they tell you that? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I have, uh... a, I have a Mormon history con question for you. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm curious because, like, Joseph Smith was was murdered, right? Mm-hmm. So, is it your like your understanding of it? Do you think that Brigham Young was he like the heir apparent, kind of chosen by Joseph Smith to succeed him, or do you think that they had kind of like a uh, Lenin and Stalin sort of relationship, where like Lenin really didn't want Stalin to be the next guy in the chair? kind of was mm-hmm. like suspicious of him and stuff, but most ambitious dude and willing to do whatever he needed to do to get the job. I mean, what, what, what did, what's your uh, feeling on that? Um, you know what? I actually don't know what they would tell you is that Brigham Young was like the heir apparent. And, um, and then they sort of do that thing where they hand wave about like, yeah, and at the time, there was some people who didn't really agree about who should take over, blah, blah, blah. And then some people split off and whatever. But they, like, don't – they tell you about it, but they don't get into the details of it that much. So what you're saying right now, like, I'm sure that was – I don't know if that was, like, a situation or how much of it was a situation because I genuinely was just not told about that and wasn't given, like, the research or information so it's like it, he could have not been. I actually wouldn't put it past knowing uh, who Brigham Young is and the way he did a lot of political maneuvering and the way he wanted power. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the situation, but I I don't uh, I don't know. Was polyga- polygamy was that Brigham Young's thing? Uh, well, he he definitely went hard for polygamy. Uh, I think it was established with joseph smith i'm pretty sure yes yes it was um but um i mean people can check me on that if they hear it i don't care but i know brigham young definitely definitely did and he really ran with that that one yeah yeah he had a lot of you know wives and uh and stuff like that so he his it was certainly joseph's thing i think but I, in my mind, it's much more Brigham Young's thing than it was Joseph Smith's thing um, because he was establishing, like he literally took everybody away so that they could 
you know, be polygamous. <laughs> oh, so, like yeah. that's polygamy is such a cult leader thing. Like they all do it. Like if they last yeah. long enough, pretty soon they have multiple wives. It's just like the cult leader move. And I feel like that's why you see so many of them going back. To... That's another thing I was going to ask you. Okay. So I, I kind of like spiraled off on cults like several times as a, you know, uh, uh, typical pathetic adult before but, uh, he got into sales he was trying to figure out how to make his mark and really considered starting a cult and then just got into like mlm shit and now he's just a sales manager he took the easy way out really uh if he put yeah. in a little more work he could have been taking people's wives and if creating multiple families yeah you really could you're a handsome guy you could if you really you, you get the right haircut you get the the suit on and talk a bunch of shit i mean yeah maybe it could work Thank you. I like that. Yes, I do have thick shoulders, and I feel like that's necessary as a cult leader. Yeah, yeah. fills in that suit <laughs> coat real nice. Or being very tall, I think that's the other one. You need you need a a length or a height and or a width. That might be what undid me on the, yeah. on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> what the so there's like all of these like super weird, sometimes violent offshoot cults that spring out of Mormonism and there is that a Christianity too, you know, I mean, of course, but Mormonism has a like quite a few. Yeah. Did, did you guys like, I'm sure they didn't teach you about any of those, but did you guys as kids, like, did you talk about those at all? Was it like something that you knew, like the, you know, the, the fundamentalist Latter-day Saints or the children of thunder or any of those? Um, I definitely knew about FLDS cause that was, I think, especially for the time, because what's his name? What was the guy's name that ran Warren that? Jeffs. Jeffs Warren Jeffs. I always call him Jeffs something. It's Warren Jeffs. That I remember being a thing because while I was growing up, some big story that I don't even think I remember understanding happened where he had a bunch of teenage wives and then the FBI had to go in and, and get him, I'm pretty sure. And so I remember that being a big thorn in the side of Mormonism and people talking a lot about like, that's them and we're us. And also the problem is in popular culture at this time, that was before the Book of Mormon uh, musical. And so a <laughs> lot of people like got that. A lot of people confused because of how many offshoot cults there are. It just popularly in in the u.s casual the casual person gets the mormonism confused with the million mormon cults that have offshot like people assume that if i tell them i was raised mormon they think that i was raised in like the weird like cult situation and i i wish that would be so much cooler <laughs> if but I wasn't. I really wish that I was, and I could have all my cult stories and stuff. But no, it it was just. And like, honestly, if you if you freed yourself from it. a cult, like you would be. I mean, that would just launch you. You could sell a book on that shit too easily. Right. So, they would have kicked you out of Latter Day Saints or the fundamentalist Latter Day Saints because they they did their best to get rid of young men because they yeah you know, they take up the uh, challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so when you there's were a, like there's a great documentary 
I, it's recent too. I mean, it's not like, uh, yeah. I mean, it was like last year, but if you haven't seen that documentary, keep sweet about the FLDS, man, yes. it's well, good. It's funny because these things come out, there's like keep sweet. And I think there was maybe another one. And then there was like under the banner of heaven that just came out and people are constantly asking me, they're like, did you watch this? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I, no. I want to forget. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to forget. No, I didn't watch it. I should. But I'm like, no, that's not. I don't want to yet. <laughs> that's how I feel Enjoy about all their escapism, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel about all the like ex-evangelical, ex-Christian things. Like, uh, God forbid, the Jerry Falwell thing. Casey and I went to Liberty University, so when, when uh, it's like, I don't know. I, I invested enough of my life into that story to not have to sit down and watch a Hulu movie about it, and it's like. Right. As, as these things pop up, you're like, yeah, I I feel like I've I just already know that enough about that to not have to sit like subject myself to like three hours of triggering. And it's like, right. It's like, well, did you watch? It's like I was there. I don't need to watch. This. I I I know what happened. I'm it, trying to see happened, my right? my fat little uh, teenage self like waving in the background. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, when you were growing up, I, did you? Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, were like when you were growing up, were you like, yeah, this is great. I'm like, I don't know how like the buy-in works for because it's like okay, I'm thinking about it in the sense of like, I knew a bunch of kids who grew up Catholic and they were like, yeah, I'm Catholic, uh, and they were into it because they were it's just their family tradition. That's what their family did, and then like, but they never had a real like. I need to tell people about this like a solid buy-in, and then there's like evangelical. Uh, little boys and girls like Casey and I were just like we need everyone needs to know about this. Like it is my passion. <laughs> I I'm a I need this, and so does everybody else. Um, like what was your level of buy-in as a young Mormon boy? Um, as a as a young Mormon, I remember being into it, dude. I was really like I went hard. I was for my childhood self, probably between like before I turned maybe up until I want to say 15 or so, which is when I started like being able to understand the concept of logic. I was really, <laughs> really into it. Like I, I, because there was a sense of like, there is this pride that came from being good at doing Mormonism, especially within the community. And uh, it was a community that I, felt otherwise ostracized from i'm black everybody else around me is white i was adopted into the church so i think that even the the factor of being adopted and then being somebody who was like faithful was something that was celebrated as a win to the people in oh wow like my yeah. community so they're like oh you're 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 so spiritual you're so faithful blah 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 so then I was really into it because I was getting a lot of validation from it. And, you know, as it turns out, I didn't like church stuff. I just like validation. And yeah, I, dude, <laughs> I feel that so much. I feel like that had to do a lot of my like getting into it was like, this is where I get the validation, like and the people pleasing. And because that's the kind of person I am, like if I was born into a different environment, I would have found that somewhere else, but I found it there and that's why i dove in sorry i cut you off yeah no it's it's exactly that and i felt really like i remember it was just something that i would get complimented with a lot that was just like you're very faithful you're very 
uh, spiritually correct and you're very, you're, you're doing such a good job, like being a Mormon. So I was like into it. I would try to, you know, um, I would do all the tithing prayers where you like do the, or the sacrament prayers where you go up and like bless the sacrament. And, uh, I would be very involved for the time that I was in it just because I really wanted, um, people to think that essentially that I was going to the celestial kingdom. And so, yeah. Uh, and then it started falling apart when I just like became more cynical and got access to the internet. Yeah, there it is. I, so I'm in, um, I'm in school and, uh, like grad school and one of the, I was just doing like my last semester I had to do like a research project on, um, <clears throat> it's protective factors for kids. Um, and at this point in time, this day and age, it's like the internet was like one of the biggest, it's obviously the internet is a terrible place to spend a lot of time, but for kids who are like minor, like LGBTQ community, kids who are minorities, it's like when they're, when they grow up in religion and they're like, they, they're, they know, like they, they start realizing that they, that they're gay and they're like, fuck, like, I know what this means for me. The internet is one of the most like life-saving tools uh, just because they, they, that's where they, like, they, they use it for good. They like find communities and, and they do a lot of research and they hear new ideas and opinions. It's like, it's internet is such a protective factor for people trying to figure out how to like navigate their way through something like that, where you're like, I'm the only one in this area that's, thinks that that i know if i talk about this here it's going to be a giant problem yeah well that's that's the um that's the great thing about it like if like what's any obvious statement that can be extrapolated from this and all the terrible things aside the thing that the internet did is it connected us that made and made us unsiloed from other people in our geographic areas which Mm -hmm. is why uh from you could track probably the time when i was growing up and like the uh rate of people or the percentage of people that were mormon in utah to now and i'm gonna guarantee both with population growth but just like with how people are that uh percentage is plummeted even though it might be still a pretty big percentage because it's where everybody is but i remember growing up i remember hearing it was like 50 and now it might be like 30 which is a pretty big drop even if it's still a lot of people yeah that's huge i mean the the evangelical exodus is it's going through the same thing and it feels like a lot of that has to do with internet access like oh this you're telling me that there's another way to even for people who maintain a level of spirituality, it's like, you're telling me there's another way to read this and think about this uh, that just kind of flew under the radar for the past 20 years. Yeah. And, and you need access counts. to, you need other access to other ways to, of thinking. They didn't give you that. They actively discouraged uh, going out and like reading other things or hearing other things. And when it's everybody or feels like everybody in the community. And if you say something inflammatory, uh, half the people in a room would get really upset. Even if you're not at church on a Sunday, like 
that is repressive to other forms of thought. And if you don't have access to it, yeah, you're going to stay Mormon for a long time. And you're, you wouldn't even have considered that there's another way. Like that's what the big problem was. And then you start learning about stuff and you go, Oh yeah, maybe I can make up my mind for myself, whether I want to engage with this or not. I'm surprised Salt Lake City doesn't have their own internet yet. <laughs> they could have gotten out of it by having their own specific like, internet. Like North Korea. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like All it links to is Kim um, Jong-un's like Wikipedia page. And it's like, yeah, yeah, he was born under a shooting star by a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, could, that's a, you shouldn't put that out. That's a decent idea. I'll probably try that. Maybe I'll try that. And that's how I'll make my first bag. Mm, there you go. Did you, uh, did you, were there other, did you have friends there that were kind of going through the same thing? Or was it mostly like online that you were meeting people who were like defecting from this? Um, neither. I, I never met anybody online that were, well, one time there was an interesting thing that happened one time I was in seminary, um, which by the way, (laughs) um, seminary in utah if you go to a utah public school in um middle school and high school you can get a i think it's is it eighth grade or ninth grade it starts you can um get a free period what's done is you get a free period from school and they let you out of school and then through the church you sign up for seminary classes and the seminary building would be like right off campus like you'd have to walk off campus but right where the fence was or where like another parking lot was off the campus is where the seminary building was so it's like that was the level of separation of church and state in utah where it's like oh yeah you can have a free period if you want so you can go to your religious class and you go for that period and they teach it like a class but it's all mormon stuff and then you come back and they like grade you and stuff and it's like whatever Um, so I was in seminary and I got, I think I signed up to like text people in the class. It was like when, uh, cell phones and stuff were relatively new to be able to be used by teenagers. And, um, I texted people in the class, like, you know, to remember to like read this scripture so that for next week or whatever. That was a class assignment? Yeah, it was like a it was like a class because it was, you know, religious class. So um, they I got to sign up to like be the accountable accountability person to like text everybody like remember to read this for class. And somehow I got a wrong number and I texted somebody who was like very much not Mormon. And they were like and I think they realized that I was um, a teenager because they were a little more mad at first. But then they um then they kind of softened and i don't remember exactly what the interaction was but it was just like them being like hey like i'm not uh doing this i'm not this person and and i'm not i don't want to be like this like cult thing i think they came at me being like it was a cult and i was like oh this is a seminary class and but but then i said some sort of like proselytizing type thing this like reflexive sort of testimony bearing that they teach you to do and then this person sent this message that was just like 
look, I know you think this is the only way to think about things, but it's not. And they're telling you to do this all the time, but you should always just read and research and never stop doubting this idea. And it was like weird because it was this like a stranger and they always tell you to never doubt. And then this person's like, never stop doubting. And I'm like, what? And it was something that really stuck out in my mind. It's not like the moment that I started departing from, you know, Mormonism and stuff, but it is like one of the first times I somewhat engaged in a conversation about the religion that wasn't just somebody like shit talking it and being like, that's stupid or like supporting it. And it was like somebody that was just like, yeah, like just maybe not. And I was like, <laughs> huh, that is fascinating. And that dude, you should stow that away as like a future screenplay idea. Yeah. Like, or just, that's the that's the infection inflection point where like this young kid who grew up in the church and stuff like that starts to like rethink his belief and everything and that would be a great movie yeah i mean really what the inflection point was for me in a real way was when i started getting interested in comedy was it was that because there are there were so many podcasts out where people would talk about all sorts of things uh pete holmes's podcast he would talk about religion and stuff and i mm -hmm. remember just being a fan of bo burnham and i was like oh this is my favorite he makes the songs and i listened to the podcast and at the end of it like they bring up religion and he just goes on everything i was like dying over i'm like this is amazing and it's me being like this 15 16 year old kid and then he like launches into this tirade about like atheism and why stuff didn't make any logical sense and it like it you, you might have had the same experience but like you hear something that is so antithetical to your beliefs but like made a lot of sense he was making a lot of sense and that was very scary to me and the more and more i started like looking into comedy and uh the way comedians were and the things that they might have believed in and like stuff that Carlin would say about God and stuff like that. I, I was like, it's weird because I like absolutely love this thing and these types of people who do this. And we all love, you know, comedy TV shows. And for the most part, none of these people are Mormons, but I've been taught that this is the only correct way to live. And yet they're doing something that's really cool. So those things feel incompatible to me. And I don't understand how these people can do this thing and we have to only live in one way. And that was really the starting point for me being like, maybe this isn't uh, all it's cracked up to be. That is, yeah. it's fascinating because like that is very similar to how I really started. Like, because I made some friends that were not Christians after I left college and like that was a big deal to me because I it was like, wow, you know, these people are actually like cool. They don't seem to be constantly like second guessing me like they're, you know, they seem to be cool with me. However, I, you know, whatever my worldview is and stuff like they don't see me as a liability if I don't totally line up with them, which is cool, you know. But then I the thing that really like made me start rethinking like what I believed for me 
was I, I don't I, and I wish I knew how I ended up finding it or what episodes I listened to first, but I somehow stumbled onto Joe Rogan's podcast and mm-hmm. he had such like a wide, you know, breadth of different people that were on there. And before that I had been like a conservative radio guy. So I was listening to like Glenn Beck and I mean, just moron publication, <laughs> like all day. Yeah. I mean, no, I remember Glenn Beck being on in every car that I rode in. Like oh, it wasn't yeah, something that more, I right? listened to. I don't know if he, maybe he is. I yeah, don't know. He is because um, he spoke he at Liberty for a commencement and there was like a lot of controversy because he was Mormon. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I remember Glenn Beck being on a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. <laughs> what, what happened to him? Cause I know the blaze is still big. His like media network or whatever, but like he as a media personality really fizzled out. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about him in years. He just got overshadowed by a new kind of extremism. Somehow he just did not make the curve. Like, the road started to curve towards, like, Alex Jones and Ben Shapiro. And, like, he didn't didn't take that right turn at Albuquerque, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. It's it's wild that you bring him up because it really is like, oh, this is what adults listen to is Glenn Beck. Yes. Like, it was on so much. (laughs) can you imagine i think back to the world of like that time in radio where you just you just had these people get four hours where they just talked by themselves yeah yeah and not being funny at all either just (laughs) fucking like the whole time they never interviewed anybody Dude, they just had a list of like six things to be outraged about for four hours at a time. I'm surprised more of these people didn't just fucking die of a heart attack. Yeah. Glenn Beck was like my favorite because I, I listened to like him and Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and mm-hmm. Michael Savage. But Glenn Beck was my favorite because like he would crack jokes here and there and stuff like it was a little more entertaining. Mm-hmm. But I remember like the thing that that soured me on him was that he was like constantly selling some stupid book. Like he had a new book like every two months and it was <laughs> it always just seemed so dumb. And I remember like he, uh, it was like October or November and he had this Christmas book coming out called like the Christmas socks or something stupid. <laughs> and every time he would get on there and pitch a book, he would cry or like pretend to cry. <laughs> I'm like driving down the road, going to work, you know, like doing my thing. And he's on there for like the 50th time pitching a stupid book. And he's like, this book is the book that you, that your family needs this this Christmas. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> There's something else to listen to. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. It's good to, you know, not only have that option like that was it, who knows had i not had i grown up 10 to 20 years earlier i may have just graduated from you know i think there are other forces at play also pushing me out of it the fact that i'm black and not i wasn't commonly uh accepted as as much in social circles just kind of like you know right away it wasn't just like it was if people were going to be my friend, it was typically like that tokenism type thing as opposed mm-hmm. to like 
we genuinely appreciate your friendship and you being a part of this group. It was yeah, as opposed so to we got one. Yeah, exactly. It's so cool um, that you're here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the whole like way that um, I, I think there were a variety of factors that like kind of pushed me away from it. Aside from just I, maybe I wouldn't have anyway. I think it might have taken longer, but I still think I would have found my way out. Um, and also like growing up, I remember like my, so my parents got divorced when I was nine and before I was nine, that was when like everything was just like, everything is absolutely fine. I don't understand aside from the fact that dad's a real wild card. I don't understand, you know, any problem that might, uh, be in the world. And then my parents like got divorced and we moved to a different place and all my friends before then were like Mormon children. And then when we moved to my grandparents' house, like the people who lived closest to me, uh, my two friends that I hung out with the most were not Mormon and they never tried to get me to not do it. They were like just not Mormons. And like truly the, uh, I use this word lovingly, but like dirtbag friends that were like these cutups that were always like getting in fights and they just wanted to like fix their cars. And they're like, yeah, man, fucking, you just gotta be a piece of shit. And every, you know, and just do all the sort of toxic masculinity things. I didn't fit in with them either, but I think it was through that, that like, as I went to school and stuff, um, middle school and high school i never really wanted to be that close of friends with other mormon kids like i would always in every context be like the lamest kid and people would make fun of me for being mormon and it didn't make me want to seek out other mormons because i'm like those other people are honestly more annoying than me like i don't <laughs> i don't like it the the interesting kids the people that i like are like not those people yeah, I was homeschooled and I often found uh, I was like most homeschooled people were like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I have to spend time with you. There. <laughs> yeah. Like you're 14 years old and you're you're still running around like a velociraptor in the church parking lot. Yeah, they were weird. Yeah, it's it it, it can be um, like homeschooling. I think Mormonism, too, as a. A community and culture can be very infantilizing so there you're like there are these people who are weird because they don't know the social pressure of someone who's like hey like don't act like that yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so when you use a weird point in there too with okay there's there's if you have like that infantilizing influence there where there's kids that are lagging behind you yeah. know there's always like some kid in the group that, you know, he's he's like five years behind in his development and what he thinks is cool and stuff, but he's becoming kind of a horny weirdo. Oh yeah. <laughs> he doesn't he's know like, what to do about it. Doing real weird stuff. Like there was oh, a yeah. kid like that at our at our school that he was weird from day one. And like I remember he left for a while and then he came back to school years later as we, we were like juniors or seniors or something like that. And I remember him like running around with like the, 
the little kids because we were K through 12 in our school and all in one big room. So like oh, he's Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that doesn't just scream Chris Hansen walking in. <laughs> <laughs> no good. You got to separate those guys. But I remember he was like running around with like the third and fourth graders and he was getting real strange with like these younger, like to the point where like we, you know, as sheltered oddballs ourselves, we're starting to go, there's something you need to keep this kid away from the younger <laughs> girls. Like we would like talk to a teacher about it. And it, it was, yeah, there's always one kid that you're like, he goes from like, you know, drawing spaceships with crayons as a, as a ninth grader to all of a sudden you're like, is this person a predator? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that definitely. Well, it's it's just one of those things that it's like, <laughs> what, hopefully, you know, not too dark of people like having whatever experiences that make them into that. But then also, at least where I'm from, just this maladjustment to the way sexual education is approached. So like, you get these people who these kids who have like no idea what to do with these feelings and you're like wow that's um i don't know that looks that's dicey <laughs> that, yeah, that's all that, dice it's like you plugged all the holes and it's just coming out the wrong it's like just bringing leaks everywhere coming out the wrong area there's there's plenty of like i mean somewhat adjusted men that have trouble with some of that stuff i feel like i wish i knew I wish I could tell you who the guy was that made the video because it's really interesting. But there was this video that uh, that I watched a while back where this guy's analyzing movie tropes and stuff like that. And uh, he he had this like outline for a trope that he see that he was talking about. He sees in like all these different movies that he called like born sexy yesterday. And in it, he's like talking about how there's so many movies. If you could look and look, look through like movies that you've watched as a as a you know a kid or as a person there's like this continual trope where like there's a woman that's a a feature character in the in the story that doesn't know anything about the world around her like for some reason she you know one of the one of the ones that he uses an example is like the fifth uh god what's the one with bruce willis where it's like in the future element the fifth element so like you know, you have this like female character who's kind of like scantily clad and attractive, but she's sort of like a a baby, like doesn't know mm-hmm. anything about the world around her. And she needs this like guy to teach her everything, you know, about the world around her. But then she also has like value in a way because she knows how to like fight and kill people or something and and slowly like falls in love with this dude who's like just teaching her how to put on pants and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> think about how many movies that that plays out that, no, is, I mean, that is successful because that's a thing that like men have trouble with they want like this person who you know no other man is a competitor for this person's attention because they're basically like tutoring them at life it's it's weird it's really weird yeah that is odd <laughs> anyways well- <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, okay. So you are, you, you start shift, you start like, there's a disconnect. You start like shifting out, like, where's like, what's the final, like, this isn't for me. And did it like fuck up relationship with family? Where's it kind of, I know that can happen, uh, in, mm-hmm. in those settings. What, what was that like for you? Um, 
I had a couple different experiences that it wasn't one final thing because it was a, a transition of things that happened over, I think, a few years. And mm-hmm. it, it, I think it was um, an amalgamation of a lot of things. And I'll try to remember them all at once because it, it it's there are a few examples that come to mind. Um, uh, my parents' divorce was one of those that, uh, you know, at, at risk of, uh, him getting litigious, my adopted father. Oh, I'm adopted by the way. That's how, Oh yeah. I said that earlier. I never know what people know about me. Um, (laughs) you said you were adopted uh, by the church. I, so I've just from your comedy, I've, I know you were adopted, but you did say you were adopted by the church. Uh, so maybe that might've been missed by, you were adopted not by the church into the church, but that might have been in, maybe yeah. missed. But into the church in in the sense that family. I was adopted yeah. into a Mormon family for generations. Not yeah. Anyway, um, so they got divorced, and or the process of them getting divorced was like he was really, uh, you know, would like cheat a lot and be what uh, the the kids call abusive, and uh, the kids. Um, and then he, like one time I remember there was like this big, like my mom caught him cheating. There was this big deal about it. And then they were like, I was like a child seeing this and they, and they were like, oh, we're going to like work it out and, uh, like go to the Bishop a lot. And like, you know how through Mormonism, when you have like different issues and problems, like there's, it's kind of. I don't know what it is like now because I'm not in the church now, but like it, the whole thing was sort of, you go to the Bishop. It's not like, it's kind of like he's your therapist, but like he, uh, he hears all the problems of everybody and he's like Mm -hmm. supposed to be like the, you know, priest or whatever. So they were like, like the arbitrator or like somebody who's trying to like help, like a marriage counselor. I mean, but both like that, that's what the thing is. It's like, you have things. Exactly. You have any issues, you need to repent, you're having marital issues, you're having this, you go to the bishop. And uh, I just remember that being like a laborious situation where they were like, trying to, quote unquote, save the marriage, even though my father was acting in a way that was, you know, contrary to that, because that's like what you're supposed to do for Mormonism. And I just like, realized how much sort of I was noticing how much pain my mom was in all the time and like especially my dad having this like sort of man comes first patriarchal sort of mindset of like she needs to cook and she needs to cook right and blah 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 because like he's got the priesthood and blah 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 but it's like well how is it that this man has the priesthood the the power of god and uh he gets to wield it but my mom doesn't and morally she's a much better person than him that didn't make sense to me huge disconnect so it was a it was a big disconnect so there was that um there was the lgbt stuff prop eight that uh that's right oh right there was there was all that um and I don't even remember what Prop 8 was specifically. I just remember Prop 8 being anti-gay or whatever. It was um, anti-gay marriage in California, anti-gay right? Marriage. 
I yeah, I think so. But Mormons were a big proponent of it. It was a problem because I was like mm-hmm. getting into I was getting into high school and stuff and um middle school and high school I started like knowing people who were gay and and you know um back in the day back in even the 2000s like you experienced this I'm sure as a white straight dude like we were calling everything gay everything was gay we're like gonna be just homophobic and whatever but uh it was when it came to starting to know people for real and all this like anti-gay sentiment it was like that's well that's very this is weird because it'll everybody's acting like we're this like loving kind religion and then like actually ostracizing people and then when i started to realize that like us just like playing this game called smear the queer and calling stuff gay wasn't just like a harmless like this insult but like actually a thing um i started and then people in mormonism sort of like supporting those like the homophobic beliefs i started like being not super cool with that um i had a friend uh in in middle school who was gay and committed suicide because he was getting bullied by people a lot of these people were mormons and it so that was like one of those things that was just like this is i the the way people are feels very wrong um yeah uh so that was one of those things that was like i just i don't think that this is a a thing and then just the same thing that was happening with like me getting involved in comedy and reading stuff and and all that eventually just like sort of culminated in um oh oh and the last thing was like so i stopped talking to my dad around 15 years old um and his father my grandpa would take me out to grantsville utah where they have like a property out there where we would work on stuff and um he would always like after that point he would always be like why aren't you talking to your dad you got to talk to your dad again and i was like but like the but i he's not like somebody who should be involved in my life like i don't think that that's healthy and he's like, no, but you got to do it because, you know, family and church and stuff like that. And I was just like, this is bullshit. What are we talking about family? I'm adopted. You know, like, why is this this sort of like, oh, it's blood, like this idea that people have? Well, that's already not true. So I don't know what we're doing here. So it was just like a variety of things like that. And I remember maybe my it wasn't my final straw cause I was already out of it. I went to Utah state university. Um, uh, I left home to go to college cause I'm like, I gotta get out of this place. And I remember my freshman year, I smoked weed for the first time. And my friend who I was like completely in love with, uh, and she was still in salt Lake. And, um, I remember telling her about it. She had converted to the church when she was 17 and I remember telling her about it and she really like freaked out and was like that's so bad that's so awful and I'm like like well this is it's just it's how is it awful she's like well it's illegal and I'm like yeah but laws are you know made up and something that I learned from weed (laughs) and (laughs) and it's so like I just saw that difference of like this person is so rigid and also going back to your question of if it if it caused any relationship issues between family and friends and stuff, this person was like, 
my best friend from elementary school on and and she was so rigid and so angry and so upset about this thing that like like this doesn't really make sense why you would be so upset about this and i was like yeah i guess that given all those things did this can't really be something great to adhere to so up until that point but definitely after that point i was just completely done Christians get real render under Caesar when it comes to like marijuana, but not so much when it comes to like registering a handgun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Did that, uh, so was that something that she stayed like upset about? Did that change the way that you felt about? It? Yeah. I mean, she, th- there was also, we had other things going on. I was in love with her. She kind of was like, oh, yeah, we can, we, I, I think that you, whatever. And then it was one of those, like not knowing how to not be, um, not, not understanding that this person's never going to give you the type of love that you want. And then mm-hmm. she started dating somebody else sort of behind my back. And I was like, what the fuck? So we had other shit going on. Um, but yes, definitely. Uh, that it's was like, something that I, I can't changed. date you because you're a drug addict now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i mean <laughs> it would have been something like that but then there was also like you know there was that situation of oh my parents would never let me date you and it's like Ugh, okay that's Sweet. right your parents own you i forgot i forgot about that part where you're a woman yeah. so your parents do in fact own you yeah of course why not now okay so obviously like the mormons have changed some of their beliefs over the years mm-hmm. and historically they had some like really awful doctrine about black people like was that something that you were aware of i'm sure that wasn't talked about a lot yeah i mean I, it's funny because i just started listening to this audiobook mormonism and white supremacy that is very good that's going into the details of this stuff um but the i didn't i had a a uh, small awareness of this. I remember my mom at different points uh, telling me that like she would do this thing would be like, hey, if anybody ever says to you that like um, you're cursed for for being black, um, that's not true. That's not real doctrine. That's not, you know, that's but she's like, if you interact with this form of racism, that's not true. Don't believe that. And I was like, oh, OK, because I didn't know that like. I didn't know how um, like high up it went or who this came down from, basically. And I didn't know that it was like, you know, just kind of written into doctrine that black people were lesser and stuff. Um, and they when they talk about it, they act like that's not what it was, that it was just like people that started kind of like randomly saying this instead of like people like Brigham Young saying stuff like this. Um, So I wasn't even that aware of that while I was growing up, but then you would run into things here and there that people would say this stuff. And then um, I remember having a seminary class where like them, them doing stuff where they're like, we're going to address this. And basically the Mormon thing about it is like, they make this justification where like, well, only certain people in the past like had at first it was like only this small group of like these tribes and whatever. And they break it down to like 
different like genealogy and ethnicity and stuff like that where it's like and now the priesthood is supposed to be like it it got you know soft launched a bunch of times for whatever reason um and so that was like their justification and uh but they really tried to not talk about it so much it was only through like other avenues where that kept coming up were they uh, a curse of ham or a mark of cain yeah. Kind of racist. Yeah, Chris and Ham, Mark. No, both. I mean, okay. both of those came yeah. up. It's like, Don't worry. Oh, that no. came up at Liberty University, too. We had a college class in uh, where this old ass, should have been dead white guy was like one black kid in the class. And uh, he starts talking about the, the curse of Ham. Uh, I can't remember if it was Curse of Ham or Mark of Cain. Either way, I know those both existed as a concept. And he starts talking about how, like, you know, that's that's how we got black. It's, it was like that framing, like how we got black people. And it's like <laughs> this kid in the class, his eyes were like got huge. But in a sense of like, sadly, there was like a comedy to it because he had just heard it so long, apparently. And he was just kind of like, mm-hmm. was like, okay, here it is. I knew this was coming. And everyone else in the class was just like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. Like you just keep your eyes straight. <laughs> but everyone felt like so fucking weird. And that was the first time that I, cause I grew up, I, I didn't grow up Southern Baptist. It was just evangelical, but that never came. Like I, I never, that was the first time sitting in that class that I heard that theory. And I was like, I was like, holy shit, like jaw dropping yeah. weird to have a conversation like that at a university. Like it's a real, like there's some like real hard, like scientific data back in that one. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that like, I, I, the whole, e- either one of the, I, because both of our, are somewhat used interchangeably, it feels, but like, yeah, the fact that you would sort of just casually, say that or believe that is just like what what that that goes that runs antithetical to everything we know about anthropology but <laughs> yeah and i remember what's what's even more awkward is like the follow-up to that like they say it as though it's a fact and then listening to him like do that spiral of like but let's look uh, but that doesn't mean that and this is why it's not racist mm-hmm. like oh the explanation like that that like let's get into why it's yeah. not racist is generally a good idea that you're getting into one of the most racist conversations you'll ever be a part of yeah here's why this like weird essentialism that wh- these people are cursed and damned isn't racist because yeah. god invented it <laughs> Okay, so God's race, like, what are we talking about? And, like, I do remember that as the same thing. That's the same thing that, uh, the same logic that was applied within Mormonism to, like, queer people and still is today, where it's like, here's why it's not homophobic what we believe. And, like, this weird, like, really trying to split the difference of justifications and getting into the most, like, abstract version of logic to justify why like this sort of hate the sin not the sinner logic is is not something that is just completely harmful to people and it's like no like is like actively homophobic how could i be a homophobe when i'm the only one trying to tell them that they're gonna burn hell for all of eternity i'm trying to save them right (laughs) yeah i feel like that's like a weird differential point between like fundamentalist evangelicalism and mormonism because like there's plenty of racism and yeah. <laughs> evangelicalism but it's not to go around doctrine 
you know like yeah that wasn't a theory that i heard it was a uh, you know it was people's own theories where they got racist but like homophobia right. that one it was like well you know refer to the book you know right and it is it is weird the way that those communities respond to like cultural change you know like the the you know from a survivalist standpoint as an institution like the smart thing would do, to do would be to like say this was wrong it was never right and like it, the church has gotten this wrong for a long time and we're not going to preach that anymore but instead, because that kind of undermines the fundamentalism of the whole thing. So it's like, no, it wasn't. It's not that it was wrong. It was that, you know, people like since have misinterpreted it. And here's what it actually means and blah, blah, blah. And it's, <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> right. There are all these mental jumping jacks to like justify what was just like wrong. But like exactly to your point is um, it would undermine the idea that for example like if brigham young was like some slavery is okay and people like flip-flopped on slavery and whether or not it should be allowed and stuff it would like undermine the fact that this guy's got a connection with the omnipotent god Mm -hmm. if he's just like having these issues so uh it's you gotta do a little bit of tap dancing with the with the logic to make that happen you gotta stretch some stuff meanwhile (laughs) there's like a whole like group of of leaders out there who have like wrongly predicted the end of the world like six times and never lost a member of their congregation right (laughs) like well you're like why what is wrong? Just wrong. There's like a deadline. It's like, hey, stop. If you don't know, just stop predicting. You know, tell me when you have something good. Don't give me a bunch of random bullshit and go, nah, take another shot next time. Whoops. Sorry about your retirement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, was, that's that was my experience. What, how, did, <laughs> uh, how did like purity culture and stuff factor in for you? Um. Yeah, I mean that's definitely like one of the fundamental pieces of like probably how, you know, it, I think purity culture is one of those that like, if, if there's ways that the religion sort of fucks you up, I think it's definitely purity culture. I mean, the partly I wasn't so affected by it obviously earlier because like i don't think anybody was trying to have sex with me anyway but um (laughs) it was like one of those things that like i i was 12 years old thinking that i was addicted to pornography like way before i actually was you know because it's just like (laughs) oh i i looked at a boob online one time i i i wanted to see a boob and i looked for it and i found it i must be a fucking psychopath you know uh so that was definitely a thing like it was that is like i i would say that purity culture sort of feels like the bedrock of what the culture is in in certain ways when it comes to like being a single unmarried person like that's your whole that's a gigantic part of your identity is just the fact that like i'm going to you know not uh or i'm going to abstain and like 
you know, I I think we are all three aware of the massive amount of issues that causes for people's mental health and and especially how it intersects with all that uh, stuff about queer people is like you you have to uh, if you're going to uh have any sexual contact with somebody you better be married and it better be a temple marriage too because then it's still you know in not correct so yeah of course like kids were dry humping and all that stuff and and uh everybody went on their missions at 18 so they could come back and get married at 21 and and all all of that it's definitely like a heavy heavy factor i think there's I feel like I'm being broad about it because I feel like there's so many things to say about it that is like, yeah. That I feel like, yeah, and that's there's there's a lot of it that's hard to shake off after, you know, you decide that you're like I'm done with this and I'm not doing it anymore. Like I feel like that the the after effects of purity culture, it's just you know, as a grown man, it's hard to get rid of. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of those that you have to um approach uh i think uh with a lot of like intention about like therapy and stuff because it really really gets in your head and i think it crosses wires in all these ways and that's why you know within these churches and in the mormon church as well there's rampant sexual abuse and that is essentially unchecked or swept under the rug because the people are like uh there's purity culture and there's shame spirals involved i mean like we we all have that going on culturally anyway so when you add this layer of like religiosity on top of it i mean you know you know these uh uh temple garments the mormon special underwear um they have uh these uh prayers like sort of laced into the underwear like itself and like i was doing this joke about it that like what is uh adhering to a chastity law if not essentially just like a bdsm relationship with god there's (laughs) this man there's this man who goes you don't come until i tell you to come it's like (laughs) that's what it is that's all we're doing to our brains. <laughs> That's so true. It's just like a, a, it's like a soft cotton penis cage. Mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> exactly what it is. And it's Cucks like, so, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that's that, and that's what like that's what people's you know relationship to their sexuality is at that point. So like. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I don't know. That's that's sort of my thing on purity culture. There needs to be a lot of, and now they're starting to finally acknowledge those issues. But there needs to be a a lot uh, done in that regard because, unlike with Catholicism, I don't think that there's going to be this like big sort of like spotlight kind of uh, thing. There's kind of been people doing like protests about bishops, like. Uh, and their sort of sexual ab- abuse of minors, even if it's not actual, even if they don't abuse them in that way, which a lot of them do, but even the structure of like going to a bishop is like, okay, you want to repent for something, you got to go to this bishop, right? If you're a kid who feels like, oh, I got horny and now I feel bad, I masturbated to porn, I feel bad, 
then you essentially you gotta go sit in this office with this fucking 50 year old man who didn't go to divinity school or anything and then like tell this dude and then the way that it works is this dude asks you questions about it that's not something that should be happening at all there should not be an old man and a kid in a room no supervision and him asking you sexual questions begging for more details don't say gay at school though you know yeah exactly (laughs) yeah like don't be gay but like we're gonna have this old man ask you the things that make you horny like what and you you said you saw boobs right now describe these boobs for me was one of them slightly bigger than the other (laughs) do you think former catholics are the only people keeping the phone sex industry alive (laughs) <laughs> they got to they have to it's oh weird god. in printing oh ben, my god i uh, i want to with the time we have left i do want to talk about like your comedy and your shift into that you've done like you've done cool shit i mean besides like uh you wrote did you were a staff writer for conan you're you do shit for the onion you're a staff writer for the onion right now right and yes uh, obviously you're i wrote a Sorry, I just to go back to the stuff that we were just talking about. I wrote an onion headline like fairly recently that was like uh Mormon argues that uh the sexual abuse in his religion is just as legitimate as any other faith. Okay, <laughs> That's good, little man. <laughs> it's like you were trained for that exact job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the uh, your your hard push into into comedy when you started pursuing it as a career, like um, yeah, what'd that look like, man? I mean, I feel like that's always a uh, it's like a sexy industry, and it's like a hard one to understand, and it feels dependent on like being in certain locations. Uh, like yeah, obviously it, in the it, middle of nowhere, like you're not gonna just like find a comedy club and do it. Like you gotta like really like make that conscious choice and then and pursue it. So what what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean it. Um, it uh, it looks like exactly that. I went to um, the Wise Guys Comedy Club. It was weird. I had this experience of like I went to an open mic, and then I tried to go back, and they became like eighteen and up as a. And I was like, damn. So I can't. And this is like me as a teenager. So I'm like, oh, I can't do this yet, but I'm interested in it. And then uh, I turned eighteen, went to college, came back, did another open mic there and then that was like right when they got their liquor license so like now we're 21 and up and i was like i just (laughs) i waited um and so like there was like some a handful of stuff like here and there like real quickly i'll go through like i did some improv and stuff in in college and then right after i was like doing improv like in this uh little indie venue called the comedy loft in in ogden utah but there wasn't a lot of stand-up outlets that i could go to and then um through all these podcasts and everything i was hearing everybody was like if you go to chicago uh number one it's there's no industry there so you can just like go and be creative and fail and i felt like that's what i needed because i wasn't really good at anything yet and uh chicago has improv and sketch and stand up and like a vibrant big city and i've always i always wanted to live in a much bigger uh cosmopolitan area than salt lake so i was like 20 and 
I just packed up all the shit that I had and just moved and um, started doing stuff and, and started trying my best. And it kind of just one thing led to another from there. <laughs> I don't even, so you, uh, you, the idea of just relocating and giving something like that a shot is um, I feel like there's like a, a, like if you're willing to do that, like you kind of have like the ty- a personality and a drive to make something like that work. I feel like it's the people who are like, I like the idea of this. And then it, you know, it gets, these kinds of careers require you to like make some some major life changes uh and i i don't know how people have that in them i feel like the idea of that that unknown of like i'll just move there is like always fascinating to me yeah but the thing is about most stuff once you realize i mean coming from the the place that i do and having the experience that i had um with most situations it sort of feels like the thing that you're afraid of is not really that big of a deal. Um, at least in, cause it's like, I, I did have like these, these same grandparents that were like, you got to talk to your dad again. I hadn't really been talking to them a lot. And I told them that I was going to go and they got so scared. They're like, what are you going to do? How is it going to happen? And honestly, the truth is like with most stuff, you can kind of figure it out. You're going to figure it out or you won't. And then if you don't like, then you'll have to, what's the worst case scenario. Okay. Then I got to move back. All right. It's like not, there's no, I'm not going to explode. And it, it, so it wasn't like that scary to me. I mean, when you're that age, you don't really have a sense of your own mortality. And I was just like, well, the other option, I love this one thing. This is the one thing that I want to do, and it seems like there are careers in it. The other option that I had was to stay where I was and and live in Salt Lake City and navigate like not wanting to be Mormon around a bunch of people that didn't really accept me and in a place that's like predominantly yeah, white. It's like I don't I don't think this is my place. You know, I don't feel comfortable here. It doesn't really even feel like home and I've grown up here. So like, I was like, why not? Like, yeah, I don't think there's any, I don't think that the idea of failure was not that it wasn't even an option, but it was just like, not even something that could happen. I think simply trying to do something is a win. Yeah, when nothing's worse than staying where you are, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm not gonna stay here, so I let's just go do something. And if that doesn't work out, I'll do something else. And life is long, and y- you have you know all, all sorts of other stuff that you got to deal with. So I, I think it's yeah, it was that people talk about how oh that must have been a big thing. It's like yeah, in a way, and in another way, no. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that lead to like comedy writing then? Uh, I feel like I don't, I, what's the connection there between like trying comedy in Chicago and then finding a connection to, to comedy writing? Uh, well, the onion is based in Chicago. Um, okay. And I, I always liked the, I liked sketch comedy, which the second city is here. And um, so I started, one of the first things I started doing is taking the second city writing course. I didn't actually learn that much from it. But I did get to meet people that also wanted to make sketches. And then I uh, started submitting for 
like the uh, contributing freelance for ClickHole pretty quickly because I remember reading ClickHole in high school and just loving the absurdity of like how these headlines were. I wasn't even like the onion was like something that I heard about and also loved because I'm like, oh, funny fake news. Um, but ClickHole was like this new like BuzzFeed parody after BuzzFeed had come out. And it was just like the jokes <laughs> of this are crazy. It's just insane with this internal logic. And I love that. So I started doing that. And then that eventually led to me like getting a, a, a contributing thing at The Onion. And then I did The Onion Fellowship. And then it was COVID. And then I went and did Conan um, because I had in that time gotten a manager and then uh which leads us to essentially the present where i went back to the onion in 2022 maybe the top of yeah top of 2022 and now i'm here nice that's it what so what's on the horizon for you where are you headed now um i want to get back into tv i was really set if you know if conan hadn't ended his show i would still be there right now and i okay, think about yeah. that all the time <laughs> and about that all the time I was six months into an absolute dream job. And then he was like, I'm not going to do this show anymore. I'm like, but this but is the best me? thing that's ever happened. To me. But, but, but this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. How could you stop? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I want to get back to, you know, TV. I got a couple pilots that I have worked on and am working on. I wrote a movie that I would like to get made that probably won't get made because, uh, movies if you are not a famous guy uh don't really just get made uh without it taking a really long time um and it's a crazy script so i really the next thing is just like i would like to staff on a tv show whether that be um uh, one of these political talk shows like the daily show i i got close to getting and or uh scripted tv i'm ready for that that's sort of where my focus is right now um and then just like kind of tour around and do stand-up and ticket selling tickets is weird and difficult now and you kind of got to have a whole thing with that and you got to have platforms and it's a very tricky sort of place uh to the industry is very weird now so i just want to be able to focus on like being able to create stuff that communicates the things that I feel about all this stuff. Um, so that's, that's hopefully where I'm uh, going next career wise. I heard that's the awesome, daily wires hiring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. okay. Oh yeah. You could be and, the, uh, it and could be uh, like the follow up. They need a male Candace Owens. I don't know. Just, just a thought. Look, I mean, if, I don't know. Could be. You could be. I I I could say. I look. I grew up like I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a, a dyed in the wool Mormon boy, and and a lot of these things these black people are saying are 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 honestly out of line. There is no systemic <laughs> racism. You got the part, hey, dude. I mean, if at some point you I need could. us to delete this episode so you can like, <laughs> you say the word, right? We'll do it. They can't look. <laughs> <laughs> well dude it's been really great talking to you thanks so much for uh for doing this oh yeah thanks for having me yeah man all right where, where can people Sorry. yeah nice to meet you guys it was great where, where can people find you 
Oh, um, just find me at my my Instagram and Twitter. It's just Skylar Higley, S-K-Y-L-E-R-H-I-G-L-E-Y. If you want to go to SkylarHigley.com, you can. Uh, but, you know, that's got some stuff I've done on it. So Instagram, Twitter, my website. TikTok before yeah. it gets completely banned in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, TikTok is sure my tiktok too i don't even know what to do with that sometimes i'm like do i focus on that and get all these followers like people do or is it gonna get banned so i should never worry about it i know well that's how i found you and uh there we go i'm thankful for that you're uh all right well then i'll focus on it more so the bits i've seen from there i i it's like i i found you and then i just like flicked through every single one of your posts until i got all the way to the bottom so so I was hooked. Uh, steps in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. And uh, everyone should definitely go check it out. Uh, and hopefully things will work their way out and you'll, uh, you'll end up doing a show in or around Massachusetts someday. And uh, I can come Oh, out. absolutely. Oh, I, I definitely will. That'll be soonish. I don't know. Perfect. Well, I'll keep an eye out. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh,